And this is what drives me crazy about the personal development industry. The first step is to understand that fear is always going to come. The little voice is always going to be there. You're always going to get anxious. You're always going to get nervous. It's always going to come. I don't believe in procrastination. So is this what you call Conor McGregor thinking? Within four years, as basically the end of this month, will have earned himself $134 million from four years ago being on government benefits on 34 euros a week. Someone can do that in four years. What the heck have we been doing for the past four years? Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast, guys. Uh, this week, we have a really, really fun show for you. We're talking to Andy Murphy. Uh, Andy is the world's number one high-pressure performance coach, uh, the world's leading mindset mental performance coach for seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs. Uh, the thing I love most about Andy is that he is a master at actionable strategies uh, and reverse engineering what the leaders of today are doing. So, um that's right in line with everything that we do here on the OPP, what you guys are accustomed to. You are so used to and you expect the actionable, implementable tips and, and things like that. So uh, rest assured, as we talk about designing your lifestyle and working on mindset, that Andy's going to deliver plenty of actionable information for us today. Uh, before we get started, a couple of housekeeping notes. As always, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post with the video version for this, and uh, you'll be able to get the links and resources to everything that we're talking about. And he's got a new course out. We will have a link to that where you can save 20%. Uh, we'll talk about that on the show in just a few minutes. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Remember, you can go to naturalstacks.com, find the blog post, and that's where the links will be. Um, second, Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you love the show. Uh, the reviews are pouring in. You guys are doing so great with that. Um, we thank you for that. Those really do help. And when we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with free Natural Stacks products. Uh, finally, share the OPP with the people in your life who you know will benefit from and enjoy the things that we're talking about here. All right, here we go. This one is from... Uh, last Friday, Must Listen by Mr. Buckner, uh, five stars. I've become addicted to this podcast for its knowledgeable and use of science, for its knowledge, sorry, and use of science as opposed to opinions. This has become my go-to for performing at a higher level than I ever imagined. Mr. Buckner, thank you so much for your support. Thanks for listening. Be sure to email me, ryan at naturalstacks.com. We will get you a little care package as a thank you. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Andy, it's your show, man. Let's make some magic. What's going on, buddy? Nice to be here, sir. Oh, we're, we're so pumped to have you. Um, I guess let's start with an easy one for you. What is mindset by design? <laughs> Do you know what? It's, that's, you've got to put with my funny accent, so hopefully your, your listeners are good with that. Mindset by design, that's an interesting one. You know, it was 
it comes from really my life and going on such a big roller coaster, being able to travel all over the world over the last 15 years, had big highs, big lows, some highs again. And really, the thing that got me out of that is a beautiful quote that I always loved by one of my favorite people in the world, Bruce Lee. <laughs> you know, you can, um, you can really, what does his quote is, you can, um, don't be afraid of the man who practices a thousand kicks once. Be afraid of the man who practices one kick a thousand times. And I know I'm talking about mindset and martial arts and Bruce Lee is a little bit different, but wanting to understand, I've done martial arts since I was a little kid and it's been the biggest thing in my life that has created my mindset. So after 20, being 26 years old and putting together like a $100 million resort and that we're going through bankruptcy with that and nervous breakdowns and rebuilding my life, guess how I did it? Mindset by design. So I was actually, the, 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 it came out, the podcast and everything came out because I was sitting in Bali, opened my doors in the rice fields, stunning, beautiful views. I'm living in like this mini little palace and I'm like looking around going, people are in the rice fields earning like a dollar a day. I'm sitting in this beautiful place. This doesn't seem quite fair, right? It wasn't that tricky to get here. I just need to share this with people. And that's where I, I came up with the concept Mindset by Design and just started blasting out to the world. And that was where the podcast, the brand, everything came on. I just want to help me. That's all it's, all it's to do with. So in, in your time helping people, um, what's the biggest mistake people make? That's a really beautiful question. <laughs> Believing that where they are is where they are. But it is just that. It's not who you are. It's just where you are. And people think that the circumstances around them are stuck. They're fixed because we get a ceiling on what's possible. Einstein said it best, we get boxed in by the boundary conditions of our thinking. And that's what happens with neural nets. The circuit gets built, it gets locked in place. And the challenge becomes, every time we consciously, not unconsciously, this is the unconscious change, we make a conscious decision to do something different, to really step in there, get pumping, get that motivation going. But the challenge is, we've been building neural nets all our, all our life, and this box, that we put around what's possible, well, guess what? That becomes a little bit rigid because we keep repeating those patterns. So people are doing their best, they're working their asses off. Well, guess what? It's inside this little box. So when we can expand this boundary, when we can grow it and really expand it, then guess what? Po different possibilities come in, which adjusts our filter system, it adjusts the neural nets, the beliefs, the neurochemical cocktails, all of that good stuff, but people get stuck and there's no need to get stuck because, well, it's your life, right? Right. So let's dive in a little bit on how some of those neural pathways get cemented in. What's, what's going on, you know, in our brains that, that sort of cements that and, and creates that rigid box that, that can kind of serve as a prison for our thought processes and, and our, our belief systems. I mean, it, it, as you're saying this, there's a lot of books that come into my head that I'm sure some of our audience has, has read. I'm sure you've read many of them that fixed versus growth mindset, you know, from, from Carol Dweck. And, you know, I'm, I'm envisioning uh, Vision's uh, Code of the Extraordinary Mind, where he talks right, about right. The, the rules and things like that, the bullshit rules. So 
how do we, before we talk about how we expand that box, what's happening that's actually creating it and locking us in there? Yeah, that, that's a beautiful question, right? And it really is because it's something that everyone needs to understand. Because when you start to understand that the, we have our conscious unconscious mind, the conscious bit of the mind is that bit of the mind that me and you are talking in right now. It's also got the prefrontal frontal cortex, which we make decisions in. Sure, but there's the software in the background of our mind that is on autopilot. I define it like the software that plays in the background of your head. It's like the software that plays in the background of a computer. The hell does that mean? Well, it means it runs automatically, gets outdated, and makes you perform a certain way. It's, it's like the operating system. Plain and simple, right. that is the operating right. system. Right. What happens is, with this operating system, is there's starting points for each one of these bits of software, right? There's a starting point, and that starting point starts with a decision. It starts with a perspective. Now, when we start to understand that two different scenarios, the same scenario can happen to two different people and we make two different decisions about it, well, that affects then our beliefs, our attitudes, our self-worth, our value, how we talk to ourselves, everything. So if you've started to, well, we actually start to form neural nets or our nervous system, which is another way to talk about the unconscious mind. It's also called the body mind a bit of your mind that blinks you, breathes you, affects your lymph system, your heart rate, your adrenal glands, affects all that stuff. And it's all on autopilot. So we start forming this nervous system when we're in the womb. So understand, we're also making decisions, even in the womb. So outside, if it's a scary place because your parents are arguing or whatever, you're already forming um, these neural nets and these decisions. But what's being activated is that amygdala that primal part of our brain that's obviously everyone knows about the fight, flight, or freeze response, right? So what happens is, is in the zero to seven stage of our life, that's the blueprint that's going to form for the rest of our life. That's the imprint stage. So the challenge becomes, if we've already stepped into fear mechanism, because the outside world is already scary, then the amygdala has already been engaged, which means when we come out of the womb and start looking at the world, we already have a certain model. We already have a certain view of the world. Doesn't mean it's right, but we're already activating from fear. So then it starts to affect our decision-making processes, how we think about ourselves. So this then scales. But what the people don't understand is that this is a, this is well, this is a two-step process. The first step is to understand that fear is always going to come. Mm-hmm. The little voice is always going to be there. You're always going to get anxious. You're always going to get nervous. It's always going to come. And so when you start to understand this and you start to understand that it's probably come from the fear mechanism that's been built from way early, then what happens is, is we start going out into the world with the wrong beliefs the wrong attitudes, and, the, and, the, and basically the wrong chemicals being produced in our brain. So then what happens is the default part of our brain, the unconscious mind, is always going back to make sure we are safe. So if we're always safe, then what keeps us safe? Well, being in a box keeps us safe, right? Mm-hmm. So when we keep going around in this box, this wall gets thicker, the boundary gets stronger, the filter in your brain justifies why you are where you are. And then, because we want this safety, this neural net 
get really locked into place and this is where we get stuck. And if we've had traumas on the way, these are called synesthesias. And synesthesia means we have a tightly wound neural net together and that gets locked and that creates trauma. So what does that become? Like a weight. So as we can move, we move him forwards past this boundary, but this weight keeps pulling us back, right? So with NLP and all this other good stuff, this is how we, we delete these patterns, we redesign them, we retrain them. But what we're really doing is retraining the nervous system to respond a different way, you know? But obviously, Ryan, I can um, run somebody, so I'll shut up for a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned something that, I, I, almost nobody talks about as that third option, you know, we have fight or flight, but then there's a different potential response and that is freeze. Yes. I think, um, you know, that's, that's actually a more primitive response than fight or flight. You know, it was you know, immobilized, play dead. And, and that was before we even evolved the, the sympathetic response for fight or flight. Right, and, right. you know, we've heard that in, in, it's a big premise in polyvagal theory um, so I guess my question to you is sort of elaborate on that because I think that's something that our listeners may not have heard much of in the past or, or from other people. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think that in, in the way we see that in today's world is not somebody literally standing immobilized on the street, but in their life, they're immobilized. They're, they're not taking action on something that, you know, they want to, uh, they know they have this there's this thing that's inside of all of us and, and they want, I don't know, maybe they want to quit their job and, and do something else or, or maybe they want to on the side do whatever. So talk about how that kind of manifests itself in, in most people's lives now. And then, you know, some, some action items to sort of start to break that pattern. Yeah. Easy. So first of all, we, when we talk about the, the freeze response and it is something, it's starting to become more popular now. People I've been teaching this for years. I'm sure you've been teaching it for even longer, but the, the, the thing is, um, if you look at those three, three responses from the amygdala, which is, um, flight, freeze and fight. And what happens with entrepreneurs, as you say, they're not standing still, but, in a way they are, right? Because what happens is, is when someone becomes so obsessed with an external goal, one specific goal, what happens is, is our brain starts to focus on. But the challenge becomes, everyone talks about that, set your goals, focus on the goals, do that. Well, to me, that's cool. But if you're coming from, again, the wrong emotion, the wrong connected, the wrong driver, I call it, which is fear, all you're doing is thinking about the future and creating messy wiring towards the future. So is the future pulling you towards it? Well, no, because it's big, it's scary, it's daunting, you don't know how you're gonna get there, so you don't wanna get there, right? So what happens is, is that's when, again, the amygdala kicks in, but that's when we go flighting. We have distractions, the shiny object syndrome, right? You yeah. were about to I, say. No, I, was, I was getting ready to say shiny object syndrome. Yeah, man. But we've all done it. That's where everyone's clicking Facebook ads. Everyone's going running around, running around. That's the key word, running around. So yeah, it's, it's confusing, um, uh, like being busy for being productive, uh, yes. move, movement for progress. Yes. And that's where a lot of people can get in trouble because they think that they're doing something, but they're really not. They're bouncing around again in this little, this little box. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is they make probably a conscious decision or something happens. And then from there, they go, come on, let's do this. 
They get all pumped up, set their goals, and move forward. Start to go on every webinar, start to go read every course, start to do every program. The challenge becomes is then it's too much information. Mm-hmm. So then you hit the analysis paralysis, and it's too much. It's overload, right? So what do you do if something's too much? You freeze. You freeze, right? Right. So that kicks the freeze response in. So how do we, um, how do we prevent ourselves from you know sort of falling prey to that shiny object syndrome or you know like I love the way you sort of set that up where you see that goal, that thing that we want, it's way out there. Um, you know maybe. Maybe we've even gotten to that place where we know every step or at least the first step to start to move from where we are to where we want to be. How do we make sure that, you know, between the time I decide this is what I want and actually getting there, that we're staying on track, that we're not veering veering off course and and following, you know, uh, whatever whim may, uh, you know, catch our attention on any given day? (laughs) <laughs> right. It's easier said than done sometimes, especially when you're living in that in that fear response, right? Or or the, the other way to look at it is there's two different I'll break this down, but there's different ways. To me, I don't believe in, in procrastination. I believe in misalignment. Because if something is in alignment with you, and what I mean by that, if you're just so pumped to share this message to, to do it, then guess what? I don't need to create motivation. It's like working with professional athletes, Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. To create motivation in them? Yeah, oh. right, right. And we talked about this before we hit record. Uh, Andy's been lucky enough to work with a lot of special forces and professional athletes, and as have I. And we were, we were sharing some of the experiences of uh, you know, when, when you work with somebody like that, you say jump, it's not even that they ask how high they ask, you know, do you want me to jump off of one foot or two? Am I landing on my left foot, my right foot? Like it's it, brilliant. Right. But, but so what's, what's different about those people? Well, that's what's different. I mean, well, they're, they're, they're not, they're not a different organism. They're, they're the same species. They have, they have the same feelings. They battle the same things in their head. I mean, why are they successful and other people aren't? Um, They've gone further down a path of that they're passionate about, spent more time and effort and energy, built these neural nets, this muscle. So guess what? That then starts to complete the circuit. Well, guess what? It starts somewhere. So to me, the first place to start is understanding there is very different versions of you. And each version of you is, I call them, well, this peak, this peak performance for sure. That is what I call the generic version of you. Okay, then we have something called alter egos. And alter ego is, for example, let's use an extreme example, but I was using a professional fighter when I work with pro fighters stepping into a ring or a cage. That is a very unique version of them, right? The think and feel and act in a very specific way, the focus, the breathing rate, the heart rate, the micro muscles on their face, everything is a very unique experience. If you imagine that as a bubble, Okay, that is a state. And this is what I specialize in. Now, that state is definitely not the same version of the, when they go and talk to the mom or they go on a date, right? Or they try to relax. So when you start to understand these different versions have their own filter in, their own beliefs, attitudes, view of the world, they have their own neural nets, they have their own chemical cocktail produced into it, they have their own beliefs around what's possible in themselves in it. Well, guess what? That version is a very different version of the, seeing the world and performing than someone who's stuck in fear, beating themselves up. So the first thing is, 
if you became this fearful version and then stepped into the world and started to vision the future and started to build the future, well, guess what? You're coming from the wrong place. So you're never going to be able to perform at a world-class level. Well, if we flip that and we understand that version of me is a peak state, it's a world-class and also ego where everything's dialed in and we start to step forwards into the world, then you're going to produce completely different results. The worst thing is it's a stupid statement and it's been said for years and I've said it too, but feel the fear and do it anyway. I, I honestly, and hey, for out there, I disagree with this. And the reason is if I felt the fear and did it anyway and I stepped into a cage and I was in fight fright mode, mm -hmm. then I'd be in freeze mode. I would also be conscious. I would not be playing an automatic program, and which means I'm on autopilot, and that's how you fight, that's how you perform, that's how you get on stage, that's how you make a trade, that's how you sell. So when you start to understand that, we've got to design these peak states. So whether that's a Forex trade or whatever it is, it's the same thing. So suddenly we're building programs forwards that – are connected to the right beliefs, the right chemicals, the right everything. So if we continue that pattern, guess what? That's why someone becomes a special force commando. And that's why someone probably wouldn't even get to the train. Does, does that make sense? No, it, it makes great sense. I love it. Um, so let me make sure I understand it. Then if, if we wanted to implement that or practice that on a daily basis, mm -hmm. um, what I'm hearing is that when I wake up, I shouldn't be, you know, Ryan, as I would speak to my mom on the phone on a Sunday night, I should be, you know, I should wake up Monday morning and be the Ryan that would be stepping into the octagon or, you know, whatever my, whatever, yeah. whatever my arena is, yes. but it's, it's, it's that alter ego. It's, it's bringing that, um, you know, into the world in, in whatever your pursuit is. Right. And that's where mindset by design comes from because we are designing that mindset and it starts first thing in the morning. So we're switching on the correct part of our nervous system. We're switching the right neural net on because we don't know what we've been dreaming about, right? We sometimes wake up and I'm like in, in anxiousness. And it's like, okay, now what? So is this what you call Conor McGregor thinking? <laughs> did, you, did you listen to maybe a little bit of a podcast, mate? Yes, mate. I, I do some research. <laughs> it's, it's, um, and it's whatever you think about Connor, right? Whatever right. you think about Connor, let's take the emotion out. Right. That's a guy within four years, as basically the end of this month, will have earned himself $134 million from four years ago being on government benefits on 34 euros a week. So think about that, yeah. right? Right. Not the best fighter in the world. He's not. He's not the most tactical. He's not the most efficient. But he can build those patterns and step into that 25 minutes when there's millions of people watching, when he could everything could go wrong, yet he can perform under that amount of pressure for those amount of minutes. That's what makes him special, right? Yeah. So imagine if we could take a glimpse of that. Imagine if we could put the, the, like, what we truly want out there, but not coming from ego, going, oh, I'm going to do this, but coming from heart, coming from alignment, coming from the correct intent. Then suddenly, 
that makes us expand. And that's what he's done. He's put things out there into the world that are so insane. Guess what? Steps up and delivers. Mm -hmm. And when we can imagine what's possible for it, if someone can do that in four years, what the heck have we been doing for the past four years? Right. Right. And that's why I love it because it puts responsibility back onto us. Yeah. And that's what I love about what you've been teaching and, and what I've read and listened to is, is that you really, really get people to hold themselves accountable. Um, there, there are several studies that show this is really fascinating. Um, you know, I've been looking into decision making and feelings and emotions myself. Yeah. And, and there's a study, um, there was a meta-analysis. I think it was put out in 2005 or 10. I don't know. I'll link to it for you guys on the show notes. But there were five separate studies looking at either financial reward or, um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on this one. It was, it was, uh, what was it? It was financial reward or, um, or just overwhelming the decision maker with data-based facts in regards to that particular domain that neither of those two uh, actually moved people from a, uh, a feeling based decision to a ration based decision. However, knowing that they had to be accountable for their decisions Mm -hmm. did. So it it supports that evidence that, you know, we want to be uh, held in high esteem or high regard by our tribe. If if you know that your actions will be judged by your peers, you right. will make a more uh, data-based decision, right. even than you uh, would if you were, you know, given financial reward or you know, pure facts to help make that decision. So I think that's right. that's fascinating. Um, all right. So so two questions then on some of what we've talked about here. Oh. Number one, uh, what can we do every morning to wake up and, you know, be Conor McGregor or that version of ourself? Well, yeah, I love it. I love it. First thing we got to do is before you even wake up, before you even start this game, you got to design where you go. You got to design that version of you. And I, I mean, I just like people do with internet marketing, they profile, right? They create an avatar. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You do that with yourself. It's something that the godfather Tony Robbins talks about, right? He said, maybe you're going to say that, but he says, he gives it, I built this Tony Robbins. I built this monster. I built this character. Yeah, that's what I was going to say was I think that's, it's so brilliant because if you look at anybody, it doesn't matter who, whether you're looking at Conor McGregor or, or Tony Robbins, anybody that we think of as somebody who is quote unquote successful, wherever they are today, whatever level that they have, whatever thing they have achieved that we may deem successful, mm-hmm. that is a very, or, or at one time, that was a very crystallized vision that they had for their lives. They didn't get there by accident. Maybe they didn't get there the exact way they thought they would. Maybe the path was a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they had some vision that they set out to achieve. Exactly. Um, so, so that's, I think that's a brilliant you know, point, uh, for something to start with. So I, sure. I mean, to... so, no, yeah, yeah, but let's, let's, it's, it, it is man. Thank you. But then it's, then this, by the way, everything that I talk about has came from 15 years of my roller coaster of life, me rebuilding my life many times, working out what works, getting rid of all the BS out of the personal development industry, and then really working with high level people and see how they, they mm-hmm. really perform. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where all this comes from. So when people talk about the morning routine, morning routine, morning routine, and it sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's, there's other ways to look at it. Morning routine, hey, it's important. I look at it like um, switching on. Right, because to me, you switched off. You switched off for the night, right? So you allow whatever neural nets to play. But now, does it mean you got to do it as soon as you wake up? No, because you might just want to relax. And then it's like now it's time to switch on. So um, switching on to me means we have to interrupt. We have to interrupt that pattern, right? Because anything can be playing. We don't know. And then, so when we interrupt the pattern, what does that mean? Well, a nice, simple thing to do that I teach um, is to become consciously aware of what's automatically playing is to ask the question. Now, we are question-answering machines, and you've probably told this a million times and all the rest of it, man, so I'm not going to go into it. But we were question-answering machines, and every word that we say is connected to an emotion. That emotion is going to drive or change our state. Okay, so if we interrupt this pattern in the morning by asking the question, what thought or what feeling is going on right now? What that does is it allows us to change perspective, but it allows us to then recognize what's going so then we can change it. So once we've done this, um, what I suggest people do then is to understand the next steps. And this is the thing with me. It's I teach people how to do stuff. Then you tailor it towards what works for you. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point, right? Well, people right. teach specific systems and then what does it work for them? No, we want to teach you how to. And, and that's a beautiful thing because, I mean, you know this and I know this. Most people listening will, will recognize that, you know, we, we all have coaches that we've gravitated towards and coaches that maybe didn't, uh, you know, kind of suit us. And, and I think one of the, the most valuable things I learned from my years of coaching people in the gym and, and as a personal trainer was that I can't coach. Uh, in, there's very mm-hmm. few people that you coach the exact same way. Yes. You, you've got to figure out, you know, how to connect with each person as an individual. And, you know, whether I'm, co- if I'm coaching a 17 year old male athlete, I'm talking to him completely differently than, right, right, you know, right. a 39 year old female who, you know, skipped gym class when she was in high school. <laughs> so, 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 so I love the fact that you're tailoring this to people. It has to be though, to me, to me, right. It has to be the, we, we all have different fears, but they all come from the same places in our brain. Right. So if we learn to, to navigate around this thing, we become our own coaches if we understand how to control the patterns and change the patterns and delete stuff and control anxiety and step into sales states and we've designed all these things, then it starts to become automatic in our brain, which means we can perform at a high level. So this starts in the morning. And what I teach is people, like people love to meditate in the morning, right? Meditating is great in the morning, but understand what it is. Meditation has an intent and the intent is to create presence. And that's a beautiful thing because it calms us down. It creates space. But that's the intent, okay? What it doesn't do is then build neural nets forwards, right? So you can be in a calm, beautiful place, and that means you go out into the world being a calm, beautiful place, but you're not navigating. You're not directing, where you're going or how you want to perform. So what happens is I teach people absolutely go meditation if that's your thing, but understand it is brainwave frequencies and you're connecting, you're actually just using trance. 
So when you start to understand that all trance is, is brainwave frequencies, you can use binaural beats, you can use breathing, you can use whatever. That's just step one. Right, we're in a good place? Beautiful. Now we use that trance or that, that brainwave means we've got access to the unconscious mind, the software. Yeah, essentially all you're doing with that step in the morning routine is, is erasing or creating a blank slate. And if you don't build something on top of it or draw in what you want, you're, you're missing out on a huge portion or huge step for that day or, or your life. To me, now I don't, I'm not saying I'm a guru because there is such a thing, right? But right. to me, yes, we've got to navigate this stuff. So this calms us down and it's important because it switches on the correct part of our nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. It keeps us calm. So then what happens is, is we need to direct it. So what I do then is teach someone a very simple, a simple thing. And I've got an MP3 that's bouncing around somewhere that does a morning routine for people. I'm sure I'll pass it around in somewhere. So what from then is um, we start to direct where these neural nets are going. Now understand that neural nets, they work like a muscle and all they want to do is complete. That's all they want to do. They don't give a damn what it's completing to. They just want to complete. So if we start to visualize, imagine, pretend, whatever you want to call it, same result, the outcome. And now this is what people make the mistake about because it's, a default, it's another default setting of the unconscious mind. It just wants to know outcomes. How we get there, that's called life, right? So if we visualize coming home at the end of that day, and something amazing has happened, then where's our focus, right? And if we only can focus on a very small amount of things, then where have we just pointed our focus? Something amazing to happen that day. So that then it starts to create a neural net, a circuit. Why? Because we're already in trance. So then what that starts to do is adjust something in our brain called your RAS, your reticular activating system, right? Which filters what you're going to experience. So suddenly we start pointing our brain to this badass outcome and then we start changing how we feel about the day, which adjusts our filter and adjusts our beliefs about what's possible, our attitude towards each task and you get the idea. So then suddenly we complete this circuit. The emotion that's attached to it changes. So we're into the day. Our perspective, our belief about it changes. And therefore, it produces different chemicals. So suddenly we step into the day, completely different one. I think that that's so well uh, laid out and, and explained. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of people hear a Tony Robbins or, or, or any of this kind of like self-help guru stuff. And, and there's, there's a tendency to dismiss it or, or, you know, say it's woo woo or whatever. Absolutely. Everything you, you describe is the science of how our brain works, you know, so the science is all there, but if, if anybody is still doubting that, you know, I, I think what you just described is exactly why Christmas Day is a different experience or your birthday, right? You know, we all have experienced those days where you have something on your schedule for that particular day that you are excited about. Yes. And when you wake up on whatever that day is, whether it's Christmas Day as a kid or, you know, you have a really uh, 
a cool appointment that you're looking forward to tomorrow or whatever, you wake up, your, your day is different than quote unquote, a normal day where you don't have anything on your schedule like that because you wake up and that is that amazing thing that Andy just mentioned, you know, that thing that, that will happen to you, like it's there, it's, it's crystallized and you're, you're focused on that and you know that that's going to happen. Um, and I only bring that up because I think it's, this, this, I'm not lying when I say this is something that has fascinated me and I've put a lot of thought into this and I'm trying to figure out, you know, why do we have good days? Why do we have bad days? You know, what causes it? And what are some things like, you know, biohacks or hacks that you can do? And, um, you know, that, that's definitely one that, that I have found that has helped me uh, over the years is to, to just try to put something on the calendar at, at every day that you look forward to. Right. And if you don't, I mean, maybe it could, it could be as simple as a workout or going to float or, um, you know, right. time with your significant other or something. And, and you, I love what you just said there. So that is the morning switching on or, or rewiring. Switch on. Yeah, the rewire, yeah. whatever you want to call it. What's interesting about what you just said there is there's two things that I picked up on. One, what you're doing is by creating a, a something that is exciting, what you're doing is building in something I build in for clients, which is a reward mechanism. Because what happens is if we don't have a reward mechanism and entrepreneurs, we get a dopamine addiction. Now, mm -hmm. dopamine addiction that means that we're just constantly driving forwards without that reward. So this becomes, I build this in for daily tasks, hour tasks. I also build this in for months with clients and all the rest of it. And we install this in the head, so the pump towards it, right? But that makes a big difference. The other thing that you, you, you mentioned was um, the way I looked at it was creating novelty. And this is something I've been really looking at. And <laughs> dude, you're on the same page with everything. So novelty to me, um, I've done a podcast about this recently, but it was talking about dopamine. Mm -hmm. And the old understanding of dopamine being just spike for, for, for excitement or whatever it is, right? But what they know dopamine now is my understanding of it. It's really to do with novelty. And when we can spike a dopamine, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's novelty. Then that circuit wants to complete. So we've got to be really careful how we spike that novelty because this is how people get stuck in the old box because they're trying new things, but they're in an old box. But really what they're doing is spiking dopamine levels, which makes them feel good, but it keeps them distracted. Mm -hmm. So if we can create novelty inside of our business with new ideas, and that's why we get into stuff with entrepreneurs. We're like, yeah, let's do right. this. And then we've run down a path and we're like, right. shit, it work. Okay. But we're really what we're doing is spiking dopamine levels and this creates performance. So it just has to be direct and navigated. You know? Yeah. So, and that's actually, I wanted to circle back and, and come back to that question that we asked a, a while ago about, you know, how do we avoid shiny object syndrome? How do we stay on track? And, and you kind of just brought that up again. I mean, how do we make sure that that novelty seeking um, is in line with where we ultimately want to go? Um, you know, I mentioned uh, before we hit record Tony Jeffries, and he was a guest on a, uh, a previous episode of the OPP. So if you guys haven't heard that one, um, go back and listen to Tony. Um, Tony, if you didn't hear that episode, was the 2008 bronze medalist in boxing. Um, he went to China, won the Olympic medal. And when I talked to Tony, he trained for eight years. He was on an eight-year program to get to that point. And, you know, one of the things that, that just blows my mind is, I mean, how many of us stick with anything for eight years? Anything. Right. I mean, I, I looked this up recently. Um, 
because I, I asked that question, the average marriage in the U.S. lasts 8.2 years. You know, and this guy was on a training program, you know, to be an Olympic boxer for, for eight years. Wow. He ended up winning a gold medal or a bronze medal, sorry. Um, but, you know, how, how do we, I guess if you're training for something that specific mm-hmm. and you have coaches mm-hmm. and they lay out, you know, kind of these micro and meso cycles and, and can kind of direct your training. But for those of us who don't have that, right. how do we make sure that on a monthly basis, let's say we have a project that's going to take us six months. Right. Or, or a year or two years or your Conor McGregor example, four years. Right. How do we make sure that we're staying on the right path? It's that's that's a really good question. A really good question. Well, to me, there's two different two the habits are formed as you've taught a hundred times. Habits are formed by small increment steps. So we're not we're not we're expanding to things things too quick. So basically, our neural nets and nervous system can catch up. So when we start to understand that, then we can we can create movement now. That's all good with daily tasks, but to keep that vision of something in the future and keep that momentum, well, that, that takes practice, right? So what I do with everything is stops the shiny object syndrome is I split things into four different categories. And these four different categories mean that as an entrepreneur like yourself, you must get presented with opportunities all day long. There's always someone contacting you. There's always something new. So the way I split things up is... Um, everyone talks about your short, medium, or long term, right? Well, to me, there's one missing, and that's your immediate. So we we only have so much time, effort, and energy, and we imagine it's on a pie chart. Then you've got to start looking at where are you spending this energy, okay? So if we can start to understand that, and then understand that, yeah, we only have so much time, effort, and energy, so we've got to make sure that where we're directing it. So to me as an entrepreneur, the way people make mistakes, and I'll just use this entrepreneurs as an example, is that we get focused on the short or the medium because that's the one with all the big rewards and the excitement, the dopamine, right? So that's cool. But if we don't take care of our immediate cash flow or immediate focus, then this gets destroyed. So to me, always take care of this. Then what happens is, is we have to start really looking at things from a different perspective. So to me, we look at through our eyes, but we can also look at through someone else's eyes, okay? And we can also imagine the future certain ways. So what I do with, with, with everyone is to make sure they're in alignment, because that's what's going to keep this driving forward, is, um, well, what's playing What's the fear? Sure, but then are you in the right state? Sure, okay, all that's took off. So now let's forwards the movie. So let's forwards it three months. Is this still in alignment with you? How's that feel? What are the tangible steps, right? Let's forwards this in your mind a year out. How's that life now? What's going on now, right? So when we can start forwards in these neural nets, we're building this picture forwards. So when we can start doing that, we're also expanding this boundary. So as we're painting this picture forward, we're coming from the right place, then suddenly this eight-year goal isn't eight years. It's just, I'm taking care of this, I'm taking care of this, and is it still in alignment with me? Does it still feel good? Am I being pulled towards it? Like with yourself, with you, right? you're so in alignment with what you're doing, you absolutely love it. Well, 
if you think about the future, let's not think about eight years, but let's think about one year, right? Right. It feels like you want to go and do it. Yeah. You pulled into it, right? right? But if that thing, if that goal in 12 months was going to work in a factory, I'd be dragging my feet. Right. You don't want to do it. Right. Right. So when we can, that's the alignment. So when we can start building these patterns forwards, it takes away the old statement. And the old statement is any road will get you there if you don't know where you're going. Mm -hmm. So if we know where we're going, then we're going to be pulled there. For a start, he's visioning not the eight-year journey. He's visioning holding that medal. Mm -hmm. That's his drive, right? And he's envisioning that medal not with fear. He's envisioning that medal with um, confidence. Mm -hmm. So if you're so confident about something, you want something so much, eight years is going to fly by. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it's great. It's great. Um, So you mentioned earlier um, getting outside the box and and sort of creating new neural networks. And, you know, something else that that we also talked about was, you know, the need to feel safe. Um, And that's, that's a vagal tone thing um, that impacts, you know, our, our parasympathetic sympathetic balance. We know how important it is to generate momentum, get quick and early results in order to stay on track with any new uh, undertaking or pursuit. So what are some things that you could help our listeners build in to build, not, not necessarily build that momentum, but ensure that they feel safe when creating these new um you know, outside the box, like when, when we, when we break our previous confines right. and we start right. to stretch ourselves, right. you know, how do we build comfort and, and try to feel as safe as possible as quickly as possible right. so that we don't revert back in, you know, and, and, you know, come back into our little turtle shell and stay safe, play small. It's a beautiful question, Ryan. A couple of things that come up straight to me. First one is, um, your immediate network. Plain and simple, because then we're going to talk about something mirror neurons, right? And plain and simple. It, it, mirror neurons, I'm sure you spoke about all this too, sir. No, go ahead though. I, I want to, you, you're so good at like putting all this in a package. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not as clever as it seems, so I have to break things simple, mate. So um, <laughs> what is mirror neurons to me have been de- um, basically a part of our brain that has been developed before nonverbal communication. So we go back to tribal, tribal um, sides and how people basically passed on skills, whether it's hunting, whether it's fire, whether it's um, communication somehow, then we do this by um, immersion. So when someone's showing a hunting skill by observing everything about them, then the brain is going to then start to understand how to replicate it. Mm -hmm. This is where mirror neurons come into place. So to me, the fastest way to create change is to surround yourself by people and things that you want to be like. Okay, (laughs) you said it all before. Mm -hmm. My examples of this is, and I've said it for years, But my example is if you've never drank a day in your life and you go and hang around with people who drink, you're going to start drinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you've never trained a day in your life and you go around and start hanging around with athletes, you're going to start training. Go and hang around with billionaires, 
You might not become a billionaire, but you're going to be well on your way. But why? Well, let's look at these, let's isolate these three different, three different groups. The first ones, people who are drinking are generally moaning, right, about how life sucks or the partying, which is escaping. So when we start to look at that, let's go a bit deeper. Let's look at the underlying emotion, but let's look at their focus. Let's look at the conversation. Let's look at their opportunities. Let's look at their life. You spend your time around that, that's going to replicate in your brain. It's the same with athletes. It's the same with billionaires. You might not be a, become a billionaire, but you're going to be well on your way because the opportunities, the conversations, but more importantly, the, the boundary that you've put around what's possible changes, okay? So if we looked at a shop assistant and what they perceive as possible, and we looked at a billionaire, what they perceive as possible, both humans, both neural nets, both brains, both opportunities. So when we start to put ourselves around the correct people, and this goes a little bit deeper. This is, is another thing I've said many, many times, but with mirror neurons. But imagine watching horror films every day for a month. How are you going to be thinking by the end of that month, right? right. You're going to be a real weirdo, right? <laughs> but if you watched everything about Branson for the whole month, how are you thinking by the end of that month? Seeing things a completely different way. Right, but right. To me, when we start to understand this, why I teach things this way, simple, is so, oh, I, someone goes, oh, I get that. And so they can go and apply that rather than going, you must do one, two, three, four to get this. No, do you understand why? Well, no, right, let me show you why. Yep. So, so then you can make a different decision. So to me, what happens is, is then we activate something which I'm sure you spoke about too, right? But the law of 33%, right? And the law of 33% meaning, I know it doesn't quite add up, but the law of 33% means that we have a, we communicate and hang around or spend energy, time effort and energy with people who are 33% below us in our journey. Now that doesn't mean we're better than them. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means we're ahead of them in the journey. 33% at the same level, 33% above. Well, to me, if you want to create massive change right now and you only have a, a small amount of time, effort, and energy, which section do you want to be spending your time with? You got it, right? The highest end, people who are 10 to 15 years ahead of you in the game. We hang around with those people. Well, if we come from a place of self-worth and peak state, then we're going to hang around with those people and we're going to absorb that information. If we come from a flight or a fear response and hang around with those people, all it's going to do is create negativity in us and we're going to feel bad about ourselves, right? So there's, no, there's many little finite things mm -hmm. to understand that default underlying emotion is the thing that affects the neural nets, the filter, your response, blah, blah, blah. I think that that's really, really eye-opening. I don't know that I've ever heard it uh, to me, the takeaway and the insight from that is that, you know, we, we've all heard, you know, you, you want to be this, the, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. You know, I, I heard this so much growing up as a kid playing sports, you know, to always be either the youngest or the worst, you know, always play with people better than you or older than you. Right. Um, but what you just said is very, very powerful about how we respond to those situations. If we're, if we're activating that sympathetic, that fight or flight, if we're, if we're not emotionally equipped to 
you know, deal with being the dumbest person in the room or, uh, you know, the, the slowest or the worst or whatever, then we may not necessarily get the benefit from being there and putting ourselves in that environment that we thought we would. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, I, I, and this is what drives me crazy about the personal development industry because it, it, it's outdated because people regurgitating the same crap year after year after year. And it doesn't mean that the underlining thing isn't truth because that's what's being taught for thousands of years, right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I've got a new revolutionary thing, but we have to communicate it a different way. And, and that's what needs brought up is 21st com- way communication, not, not going back to cheese ball 1980 stuff, right? <laughs> Which is most of the personal development industry. It's like, I don't want to go to a seminar and get pumped up and clap hands. That is not me. Have I done it? Yes. What I want to go there for is to network the energy and also to get some internal ahas. I do not need pumping up. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is I understand why people do that because they want to overload the conscious mind so we get unconscious, no resistance. Well, guess what? There's other ways to do it, right? There's just other ways to do it for me. I don't want to clap my hands and jump up and down. Well, you know, it's funny because I'm the exact same way. I have the exact same feelings about those events that you do. And the thing that I've come away with is that the folks who are there seeking that, it's not so much that they're seeking that as much as it is. That is an environment. It's a completely manufactured environment in which those folks can feel safe. And that's exactly what you said earlier is that we have to feel safe. And it goes back to that polyvagal theory and, and HRV, vagal tone, all that stuff that, you know, if we want to be the expressing the highest version of ourself, we can't do that if we're not uh, coming from a place of safety. Yeah. Because if we don't feel safe, then we feel like we have to either immobilize or be fight or flight. Right. Mobilize to deal with, you know, our, our defense mechanisms are on right. by definition. If we don't we're feel in danger, safe. we're in danger. We're constantly thinking we're in danger, which puts right. so much stress on ourselves. And 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 that's what makes me sad too. It doesn't mean and people. It was interesting. I um, my girlfriend's nephew. It was interesting. I was talking to him. You know, he's like 15 years old and he's constantly on tech and doing all the stuff. And I was, I was talking to him, I was saying, because he's really interested in like entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and obviously people. And I was saying, do you think, because he was afraid of doing something. I said, do you think Elon Musk gets scared? And he went, no. And I went, hmm. Elon Musk 100% fact is shit scared every day, right? <laughs> right? Because I haven't met many people ever that aren't scared every day at some point. But the difference, now what? The fear response is always going to come. The difference is what we do next. And and that's why I go back to that statement I didn't finish before, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to feel the fear and do it anyway. I want to feel the fear, recognize it, change that fear to the right state, the right emotion, the right feeling, pumped up, excited. Guess what I'm going to go and do then? Perform. If I walked on a stage in front of a thousand people and I'm so scared, what's going to happen? Freeze response, right? You're not going to perform. But if I go in there excited, pumped up, going to perform. Well, I think the the one thing to to point out there. I mean, you're right. You didn't finish that earlier, and, and I'm glad you came back to that because you know when when you were talking about it earlier, I was thinking the the example I always give people is you know Tiger Woods and 
early in his career when he was untouchable, he was on the course and you never saw him thinking mechanics. He was never worried about his swing. Now he's got tons of other issues, but one of the issues is, you know, that he doesn't trust his swing. So when he's on stage trying to perform, he's worried about the mechanics of his swing. That's it. If, if you're worried about the mechanics of what you do when you're trying to perform, you will not be successful. If Conor McGregor is fighting Floyd Mayweather and he's thinking about how to punch, no chance. So, right. so the, the underlying thing here that's assumed is that when you step out to perform, that you have put in the reps and you've done enough to, as you said earlier, Andy, and this was a great thing, that you have to be on autopilot. And your autopilot has to be at a level that you know allows you to perform Absolutely. To, to the uh, ability that you want. Yeah, and it was funny because it's like um, I jump in and out of speak and I do all the different stuff. And now I'm getting more into it again because I, I like it. But it was funny. I haven't spoken um, in front of a crowd maybe in like four years. And then one of my one of my clients, who's obviously massively influential, she goes to me, "Well, why don't you come and speak at our event?" And I said, "All right." And she gives it, it's going to be about 600 people and you've got about five or six hours. <laughs> and I hadn't spoke in years. Guess what I did? I went, all right, just train my brain. So I went on there. There was zero difference to me talking to you, talking to one-on-one -on -one person or me talking to 600 plus people. There was no difference to me. I could have sat down on stage and had to lie down and still kept talking. That relaxed. But guess what? didn't just happen. I moved it back, pulled out all the times in my life, started to look at breathing rates, belief systems, how I perform, seeing it through my own eyes, and start to design this version of me. Guess what I did then? Start to build it in, build it in, build it in, build it in. So by the time I got on stage, my nervous system was completely relaxed. And I was not thinking about what I was saying, I was communicating with the audience. That's a big difference, but guess what? That's the same, this is the mistake. People think as an entrepreneur, we can just sit down and go, there's the computer, let's go. Well, no, when you start to understand about states, you also understand it's about brainwave frequency. And you understand that when someone is in a peak state, they're all in trance. That's like a baseball player hitting a 100 mile an hour ball. Do you think you can do that consciously? No. They're in trance. They're in hypnosis. They're in a different brainwave frequency, which means they can control time perception. This is Conor McGregor. This is why a fighter can take so much pain because they're in an altered state of reality. When I used to fight, it's the same thing. You get smashed caught on the floor. My instincts stand back up and fight. It's like, well, that's, 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 that doesn't work like that for a normal person. Right. Well, it's the same with everything, right? We have to be that way. I love it. Andy, this has been an amazing podcast. We, uh, we're, we're about out of time. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, last two questions. Number one, uh, where can our listeners get more of you? You can go... YouTube, not YouTube, Google, and Mindset by Design, which is the podcast that's on all the different platforms now. Um, you can certainly type that in. Um, I, there's, yeah, there's just type my Andy Murphy. You can say NLP, you'll find me. But the podcast is the perfect place to go. Okay. And then the course is uh, Mindset by Design. It's it's the, what's the new, the name of the new course? Yeah, well, well it's... Uh, 
this is a labor of love for sure. This is, it's called the eight-figure thinker training system. And what I've really done, hand on heart, I've just spent 15 years getting rid of all the BS. And this is this this whole training system is honestly the most in-depth mindset training system I've ever seen online. I look at it now and go, how the heck did I even create that? <laughs> Seriously? But it's built around NLP, neuroscience, gamification, and it's basically taking people through. It's retraining their brain over eight in-depth levels, not weeks, in-depth levels. And by the end of that, that I guarantee that you're seeing the whole business, your world, the life, the performance, a completely different way, and that's on autopilot. And for you guys listening, Andy gave me a sneak peek of it before we recorded this. So uh, I can tell you from the inside that uh, it, it is an amazing program. The amount of information in there is mind-boggling, and <laughs> it's presented very much uh, the way you know the information was presented here in, in this episode. So you know, Andy has a very special way of, of breaking things down. Uh, making it easy to understand uh, those sort of aha moments of like, oh, this is why do this. These are the connections. These are the steps. Um, I, I've twisted Andy's arm, and he's going to hook us up with a twenty percent off discount. Um, it'll be OPP uh, if there's a code. We'll have a link for you guys on the blog post for this. So go to naturalstacks.com, and uh, I'll have a link for you guys to check out Andy's course. Andy, last question. Yes, sir your top three tips to live optimal? Hey, that's a great question. First one is definitely implement your routines and get this dialed in. Start to recognize who you are, what parts of the day. Number one. Two, so coming back to your world, mate, make sure that your nutrition is on point because brain function is connected to every single thing about your nutrition. And if that's not on point, you will not perform. And thirdly, be kind on yourself. Just be kind on yourself, man. We're all gonna pass, this life is all gonna end, this computer game's gonna end. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, we can be so harsh on ourselves. We really, we're all doing our best and we're not building Apple and we're not building Tesla. So we've gotta get over ourselves. <laughs> I love it. Andy, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. For you guys listening, naturalstacks.com, you'll be able to see the blog post, the links, uh, the link to Eight Figure Thinker. Um, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. When we read your review on the air, we will send you a Natural Stacks care package. And of course, share the OPP, this episode and the podcast in general with the people in your life who you know will benefit from and enjoy the things that we're talking about. Thank you guys for listening today. Andy, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, buddy.